good. It's good to see you. <clears throat> My name is Chad. I'm one of the pastors here at Calvary. I'm the pastor of mobilization and multiplication. Uh, most people think of that basically as a missions pastor. And so I get given sermons like the Go Sermon. And I'm so excited to be with you this morning. <clears throat> that will be our topic. Uh, but before we do, I want to do a quick review of kind of where we've been <clears throat> over the last, uh, the last month or so. You know, it's been, uh, it's easy to talk about gathering and growing and going. But you guys don't realize this has been the culmination of really <clears throat> five, six, seven years of conversations of how do we communicate who we are in a compelling, easy way to understand that also engages the whole formation of the gospel and the activity of the church. And uh, so rolling this out this fall has, has been something we wanted to do early in 2020 uh, and we didn't get to because of COVID. And so it's been a long wait for us. And, uh, and really, this has been a culmination event. And it's the beginning. You know, we're introducing the, the five Gs in some way. And what's going to happen over the next several months, we're going to unpack that on various levels so we can talk about what it is that God, what we believe God is calling us to do as a church. <clears throat> and so uh, there's this graphic that you've probably seen quite a few times. Uh, we used it as a, the beginning. <clears throat> and at the center of who we are, the word great. The word great. We're talking about the great commandment and the great commission. They're, they're foundational to a church, to every church, to every evangelical church, uh, to every Christian church in the world. The great commandment says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And then the great commission says, go and make disciples of all the nations. And we talk about those two things. We talk about the interior man. As you follow Jesus, you become the, a, a person who gives yourself wholly and completely to him. It's to love your, the Lord your God with your heart and your soul and your mind and your strength. It's a holistic engagement where God wants to change you in every way to become like him in every way. It's a lifelong process. It's not an easy thing. And yet that's not where the gospel ends. The gospel includes this mandate to go and make disciples of others. It's to loving your neighbor as yourself. And so as God begins to transform your inner being, he begins to transform how you engage those outside your being. And so that's going to be the heart of what we're talking about today is that outer engagement. But before we get there, that gospel is the foundation. It's the core of who we are. Uh, I want to read you a verse out of, the, out of Psalms, uh, Psalm 67, 1 and 2. And it's a really nice encapsulation of the gospel. You've heard this before. Verse 1 is very famous. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face shine on us. Have you heard that before? Raise your hand. I've heard some murmur. Okay, okay. You've heard that. We use it as a blessing all the time. But the next verse says, so that. <laughs> I wish that we actually had a whole sermon series called So That. Because so many times we like the promises of God without talking about the, the commitment that comes with it or, or the, the purpose that comes with it. The promise and the purpose. The purpose of the blessing that God gives us is so that your ways may be known on the earth your salvation among all the nations. It's a, it's a great commission verse. God blesses us, your heart, soul, mind, and strength, so that you can love your neighbors yourself. You, get, you see what I'm saying? You put those things together, you have a really nice encapsulation of the gospel. And so we have this gospel forms the formation. It's, it's the foundation of who we are. But the next thing that is so important is if you're going to have a group of people that lead and love, I'm sorry, that love Jesus together, you, God consistently pulls out leaders. He calls out leaders in the early church and all the way through the Old Testament. There's leaders who are identified. And one of the biggest bottlenecks in the Christian church today is a lack of leadership. Now, I'm not telling you that the leaders of your church are not good at what they do. Uh, I'd like to think that our staff does everything we can do and we try to do it well. But for 15 people, six pastors, to lead 1,500 people, 
We're overwhelmed all the time. Now, most churches seem to operate like their staff is the, are the people that are supposed to take care of them. But listen, the gospel is not just for the inside the church. The gospel is actually supposed to be for the outside as well. So what we're supposed to do in a church of 1,500 is probably have between 100 or 200 leaders who are caring for each other, shepherding each other, loving each other, who are pastoring in smaller communities. And in that, the whole community is cared for well and we have the energy to engage lost people. But in the way it works in our church and many churches is we're so overwhelmed with the needs within the walls of the church that we have very little energy or resource for that, that, that happens outside the church. And I imagine you might feel the same way. We ask you to volunteer here, to pour your time in here, to come to services, come to Wednesday nights, come to Sunday morning classes. Uh, We want you to volunteer in our worship teams and our children's ministry and our youth ministry and our young adults ministry. We want you to come here on Saturdays sometimes to give food out. We want you to come here to do, and all of that is great. It's all great activity, but it can be so overwhelming that you don't have any, any time to engage the lost people that live across the street from you or next door to you or in your workplace. And that is the Great Commission. So here's the thing. We have to find this balance where we're mobilizing leaders and sharing leadership in a way that we can share the responsibilities in a manageable context and everybody's cared for well and everyone is supported well and everyone has what they need and nobody feels exhausted. (laughs) It's a challenge, isn't it? It's a challenge. So at the core, we have the Great Commission, the Gospel, We have this guide we need to recruit and develop and train and send leaders. Uh, Paul did this really well. 2 Timothy 2.2, he writes to Timothy and he says to him, what you've heard me say in the presence of many witnesses, trust reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. If If you count this, you have Paul talking to Timothy. So you have a leader and a generation one or two leader. And then he says, pass on to reliable men. That's a Gen 3 who can in turn teach others, Gen 4. Most churches like ours have a first gen, which is our staff, and a second gen, which might be our Sunday school leaders. But then generation 3 and 4 are non-existent. But you have to have generation 3 and 4 to see multiplication, to see viral movement of the gospel. And so you're going to hear us say over and over and over in the coming months that the gospel is the umbrella. It's the big picture. But this guide is the foundation. If we can't get leaders to engage in the work, then we're never going to move beyond who we are right now. The next thing you've heard us talk about is the gathering of the church. It's a big picture. It's what we do week by week when we gather in places like this. It's to celebrate what God's doing. It's to encourage you, to spur you on to love and good deeds. Right? This is a place where you come and you smile, you have a good time, but this is not a place where you come for relationship. Many of you know my name because I'm standing on the front, but many of us have not got to spend time where you know what I'm struggling with or what prayer requests I have in my heart and life. I don't have any idea for most of you what's going on in your home. Pastor Julio doesn't either, even though we try. We need small group leaders and we need community. This place is to encourage and equip and to strengthen you and and give you a sense that God is here and we are together. But it's not the place where you can know and be known. That's the next thing. It's the grow groups. It's those small groups. We're recruiting leaders. We want to launch groups. We want to engage communities that are small so you can know and be known. People can know what's going on in your life. You can share your struggles and your hardships and your pains and your crisis with someone, they can tell us and we can go to the hospital and pray for you. But there's so many times we find out so late that someone's been in the hospital for two weeks and they wonder, my church doesn't even care because we have no idea what's going on in everyone's life until someone normally, an ABF leader or a small group leader or someone in their family calls and says, hey, my mom's in the hospital. Would you mind praying for her? And we're like, oh my gosh, of course. We're so sorry we didn't know sooner. 
the gathering in Acts chapter 2 is, is, is amazing. It says that those who accepted his message uh, were baptized and 3,000 were added to their number. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and the breaking of bread and prayer. That's what we do here. We take communion together. We worship together. We listen to teachings. Everyone was filled with wonder, I'm sorry, filled with awe at the wonders and signs performed by the apostles. And all the believers were together and they had everything in common. That's a big group uh, picture right there. They continued, they sold property and possessions to give to anyone who has need. And every day they met together in the temple courts. So they weren't meeting just on Sunday. They're meeting every day in the afternoon when the temple worship was over and the church showed up and worshiped. Listen to verse 46. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts and they broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. Praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people, the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. That's the big picture. That's what the church looks like. We could actually study this really closely and find 10 key activities of a healthy church. Maybe we'll do that here in the, in the future. That, those verses are so powerful and so packed with incredible meaning. But I want to transition to the grow. So if we're gathering, and this is what the big picture is like, these small groups, what are you doing growing? Just last week, Pastor Paolo gave a really great sermon about the benefits of, being, of gathering in small groups. It was a really great time. But I love that picture. It's in verse 46 of, of two, chapter 2. They broke bread in each other's homes. That's what a small group looks like. It's, it's a group that can gather in a house and love in a house and eat together and, and pray together and laugh together. And we want to see that happening for every single person that calls themselves a member of Calvary. We want you engaged in a way that you can know and be known. So, why are we going all through that? Gospel, guide, gather, grow, so that. What's the so that? So that we can go. The big picture is the, is the, the, the kingdom of God extending to every corner of the planet. And today I want to start... Before we jump into the main piece of this sermon, I want to listen to this song. I asked these guys to prepare a song for us. That's why the, the, the worship band is creepily hanging out here behind me. Uh, I asked them to. But they're going to lead you in a song. I just want you to listen to it. Let these words capture your heart. It's bold and it's going to push hard, but I promise it's just the beginning. Buckle up. We've got a, a lot of good stuff to go through. Enjoy this.
Thank you guys. <clears throat> Over the last month as I've been pre preparing for this sermon, that song has been burning in my heart. It's burning in my heart because we have so many people that are so focused on being believers and attending church that are so, so far removed from the purpose of the church. It's that thing I started with, that there's a promise that God loves us and he wants us to be like him and he wants us to be successful and we can even use abundant life like that verse says. We, there's so many things that God wants to give us, but there's a purpose behind it. The promise comes with a purpose. The purpose is that his name would be made known through us to the nations. And you say, well, Chad, I don't know the nations. Well, start where you are. It starts here. So today I want to call you out. I want to be very bold. I want to push pretty hard. It may be a little offensive. I don't want to offend you. I want to encourage you that there's more to church than attendance. There's more to this, to this life than coming and being a part of a great church like this one. Jesus says, he came to them. He said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. When we talk about that authority, it was all authority. I mean, the disciples saw this in the life of Jesus. He raised the dead. He walked on water. He calmed storms. He fed 5,000 people with a few loaves of bread and some fishes. He cast out demons. He healed sick. When they talked about the authority of Jesus, when he said, all authority has been given to me, they knew exactly what he meant. It wasn't nebulous. It wasn't like, oh, I wonder what Jesus is talking about. They knew exactly what it is. They'd seen it. And if that wasn't enough, they had watched him be killed. They'd watched him be crucified on a cross and then raised to new life. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Teaching them to obey. Not just teaching them. Baptists, we love teaching. But if it doesn't result in action, it's worthless. James says, faith without works is dead faith. Teaching people to know Jesus and not live like him or not obey him are two opposite ends of the same spectrum. People can think they know everything about Christianity and not be Christians. He says, teach them to obey all that I've commanded you and I am with you always to the very end of the age. It's such a beautiful, beautiful promise because he says it's in his authority that we go and make disciples and then he says he's going to be with us when we go and make disciples. It's not because we're really good disciple makers that Jesus uses us. It's because we're completely and in every way dependent on him and he moves through us. You know, for like 1800 years, Christianity basically believed that if God wanted to reach the heathen, they could do it without us. 
From the year 300 AD all the way to the year 1750, there's very little movement out from the church. Almost all of it is interior. It's all about growing and loving each other, which are important things. But they forgot the mission for almost 1800 years. It's so easy for us to get so busy and so wrapped up in our own needs that we forget that God has called us for a purpose. And that purpose is beyond ourselves. Now, please hear me. That doesn't mean, I'm not meaning to minimize the needs we have. Sometimes they're massive. Sometimes you're dealing with crisis in your life. Sometimes your whole world is falling apart and you're wondering, why are you talking to me about going? I can't even fix my own life. How can I fix someone else's? That's kind of the point. You can't. You either trust that Christ is enough and that he's enough for someone else's brokenness or you try to do it on your own and guess what? You fail miserably. Going starts here. God has called each of us, his followers, to start right where you are. He saved you right where you were. He calls you right where you are today and he has a purpose for you right where you are today. I want to tell you about my friends, Josh and Mandy Watkins. Their picture's up on the screen. Uh, Josh and Mandy have been here involved at Calvary for quite a while. They got married during COVID last year. Uh, Josh is a choir director at, uh, at Nikki Rowe High School. And, uh, and if you wondered if people like that are busy, you should ask Josh. The guy has like 12-hour days. He's running ragged most of the time. Well, I was telling them that there was a, an organization came to me in, in March I'll try to slow down, but the clock is telling me to speed up. So I'm, I'll, uh, I'm, I know I'm talking fast. He came to me in March, this organization called Way Forward. Way Forward has purchased a bunch of apartment complexes in the valley, and they want to ensure that every apartment complex they own has a missionary living in the ap- apartment to serve the residents in the apartment. So they asked me if I would help them recruit some people. They have a couple of them in Edinburgh and Mission and, and Edinburgh and McAllen. So I was just talking to some friends of mine. Josh was there, and he said, hey, we would love that. So we've been praying about a way to engage the lost. We're really involved in church. We're really involved in our jobs. We really don't feel like we have any way to engage lost people outside the church. So this would be a great, great way to do that. And I said, man, that'd be awesome. So they, uh, they left their apartment. They signed a new lease, went into the new apartment. Uh, we've trained them on how to share the gospel. And every week for the last two months, they've been trying to share the gospel with 10 people, uh, gospel conversations with 10 people per week. They've knocked on probably 150 doors. They've walked around and prayed for everyone that they talk outside. They hang out by the pool to meet families at the pool. They, they, they've been doing great things and we're planning events for them later on. But, but I was really amazed because this is a family that I've been friends with for a long time that are engaged in gospel work and church work. They're faithfully following Jesus and they were waiting for an opportunity for someone to say, hey, this would be a cool thing to do. Would you be interested? And now they're pouring their lives out. Honestly, they're not here on Sundays because they found out, listen to this, that lost people don't go to church. Shocking, right? You know who's not at home on Sunday morning? Church people. (laughs) You know who is at home on Sunday morning? (laughs) Lost people. And so guess when's the best time to start a Bible study for lost people in an apartment complex? Sunday morning. They're there, they're sleeping in, they're relaxing as best they can, prepping for their week. It's the perfect time to do it. So Josh and Mandy are sharing the gospel. They're involved in a small group. They love Calvary. They're probably watching me online right now. And at the same time, they're engaging their apartment complex for the gospel. You don't have to go anywhere. That's my point. It starts here. It starts wherever you are. I I could take the next 10 minutes and we could list a whole bunch of professions, teachers or lawyers or doctors or nurses or, or, or garbage men. It doesn't matter. Everybody has a group of people they interact with throughout the week that God has called you to reach out to. You say, well, I can't share the gospel in my work. They say it's that it's illegal. That's fine. Then pray for people. Look for opportunities to share the gospel. Be gospel oriented people.
It starts now. It starts here. It starts now. There's an urgency to this thing. There are lost people who live outside of this place that have not heard the gospel and people that are perishing if they were to die today. Do you know that? There's a verse in Romans 10, 13 through 17 that says that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. We say that all the time. You've known it. But then it follows up with how will they call on the one who they haven't believed in? How can they believe in someone they've never heard? And how can they hear unless someone is sharing with them? How can anyone preach unless they're sent? Verse 17 says, consequently, faith comes from hearing the message and the message is heard through the word about Christ. How will your lost friends hear the gospel if you're not willing to share it? It used to be that people thought if I could invite them to church, they could hear the pastor share the gospel with them. But guess what they don't have? Relationship with the pastor. They have relationship with you. So we have people in our church that live out this gospel day in and day out. They share the gospel in little ways and big ways, and people come to faith. We've had baptisms three weeks in a row at Calvary. We're really excited about that. We had some this morning at the 930. We had a family join the church this morning. Like God is moving amongst us, but it's not enough. We need all of us to engage. It's going to take the whole church to reach the, to reach the valley. So it starts now. It starts here. It starts with you. This is very personal. Many believers think that they cannot or they should not share the gospel until they've been trained how, until we know more, until they grow enough. Again, they might have this idea, my life's a mess, how can I share someone else how to fix theirs? And, and that's the wrong perspective. God called us, Jesus called us exactly at the right time. It's not an accident and it never has been. None of us are perfect. Do <laughs> you know that? You say, I haven't been trained in seminary, pastor, what am I gonna do? And I'll say, well, I haven't been trained in seminary either. Someone's like, wait, you're a pastor. How do you not have seminary? We can talk about that after service, okay? But here's the point. All of us are broken. None of us have it together. And if anyone stands up here and says, hey, look, and guys, listen, guys, I got it all together. They're lying. And you should be very concerned about that. Jesus is talking to all of us. He is available to you. As a follower of Jesus, you have direct communication with this, this Jesus and the Holy Spirit. And we believe that if you seek him, he's going to give you the answers you need. If you're available to him, he'll give you the words to say. With that said, we have a lot of great tools. If you're interested in learning more on how to share the gospel, how to start a Bible study with your, not, with your friends and family or lost friends and family, we'll teach you. There's some really great resources. If you don't know, it's because you don't want to know. You have access to people who will give you the tools. That's easy. Using the tools is the challenge. I want to tell you about my friend Ron Corbett. Many of you know him personally. He's an incredible man. Uh, Ron was the very first person from Calvary that ever called me. He was on the hiring committee. So he called me and asked me if I was interested in the position that was available here at Calvary. And Ron has been one of my closest friends ever since. I've had breakfast with him almost, almost every week over the last nine years. And uh, I've heard stories. He's been to Africa on mission trips. Uh, he's been involved in Mexico. He's gone with me on several trips. He has helped fix my house when things are broken. He's helped fix lots of people's houses. I've watched him buy vehicles for people who needed help. <sighs> and if you were to talk to Ron, he would tell you he's an absolute train wreck. He doesn't think that he is a spiritual person. Uh, he might even have an occasional slip up where a curse word comes out or something especially when he's arguing with some other church members. It's always good times. Ron is an incredible man. And, and, and he, you know, he was a, he's a contractor. He built Sears for years. And now he just helps everyone he can. A month ago today, he had a heart attack and he's struggling. He's struggling to recover. 
and I've got to spend time with him the last few weeks and it's hard to watch. It's hard to watch a good friend struggling like he's struggling. And I'd ask you all to pray for him and Lupita because they're walking through really hard things. But I can't think of a better guy to be an example of what Jesus wants from all of us. Just be faithful where you are. Ron's not perfect, but man, he is a great follower of Jesus. I like to think he's very much like a Peter. He'll drag nets of fish in and he might be kind of saying crazy things like, let me be first in the kingdom. But like, he's such a good man. Pray for him. It starts here, it starts now, it starts with us. I mean, it starts with you. Ron has made a very specific and personal decision that what he has, he's going to make available for the kingdom. And lastly, it starts with us. We are not isolated. You're not alone. Not only do you have Jesus and the Holy Spirit, which is with you, and and that's obviously enough, but he also surrounds us with his body. We exist here as a church to support you, to care for you when you're in crisis, to, to pray for you when you have needs. But we also are here to encourage you and push you and train you and, and then do it with you. The body of Christ has a bigger purpose than just comforting Christians. We're preparing to equip and send you. And every one of us, when we walk out of this place, are being sent. And maybe your life isn't, is, is rough. Let us know. We'd love to pray for you and connect you with people that can care. If we can't connect, if we can't care for you directly, we can find people that want to and love you. Lastly, church, I just want to end with this. We are a people, we're not a place. Look around. That's the church. This is not the church. So where you go, the church goes with you. Where you go, the gospel goes with you. The church that gathers here at Harvey and 16th, We're called, we are called out. We are called out from among the nations to be God's people and we need to act like it. The work is not finished, our task is not complete and we as a church need to unite around our common mission. Our common mission. Everything you give, we give a percentage of it to missions, 11.5%. Our missions committee oversees it. You know when I came to Calvary, it was 20%. In eight years, our, our giving has continued to slide, whether it's people who are, are leaving because the church is, uh, the, the, our population is, is aging out or whether it's because of COVID and people are stressed about everything or whether it's because people have lost their jobs or because our, our demographics are changing. We have lots and lots of reasons we've considered what's happening, but in the end, what we need is, is, is new believers. You can't beat the same old horse and expect it to keep going. We need a mission that goes outside of our walls. That's not just so the church will have more money. I hope that's not what you take away with. We have a responsibility, and I'm not asking you to give more. By all means, other pastors can do that. (laughs) I'm asking you to trust Jesus and step out and see what God brings. I always tell Pastor Julio, the resources are in the harvest field. Let's go where the harvest is. Let's go find people that need Jesus and see how God will make their resources available to his kingdom. The go, it starts with us. It starts here. It starts now. It starts with you and it starts with us. I'm going to ask the worship team to come back up. And as we prepare uh, just to respond, I want to do two things. One is you receive cards when you came in. And on those cards at the back, it says a commitment card. And I've given you five or six little prompts. Uh, as we do this response song, I'd like for you to be praying about how you should respond to this message. Um, 
how many of you don't have the cards? We want to make sure that you get the cards if you don't have one. So um, um, we got the cards here. If uh, a couple of you, maybe Marco, would you help out? There's quite a few people here that have their hands up. So let's pass these cards out. Make sure that someone get, you get attention from somebody. Uh, what we're going to do as we worship here is I'm going to ask you to fill out the cards. And if you feel compelled to do something, bring those cards and put them right here in the front. So step out of your, step out of your, your pew and just walk down here and put them here. We're going to collect those and contact you. So if you put on there that one day you want to go on an international mission trip, we're going to call you and tell you what trips we're planning. If you say, I want to learn how to share the gospel, we're going to call you and tell you about some gospel trainings that we're going to do. If you say, I want to engage in a small group that's going to help me increase my ability to reach out, we're going to get you connected to a group. And so in the next few minutes, there's still a couple of hands up here, guys. Um, so, so if you still have uh, some cards, we'll make sure everyone's got one. Um, and so as we finish this, I'm going to pray and we're going to worship together and then respond as you feel led. Okay? Guys, there is a purpose that is so much bigger than what we see. And there are people desperate for the gospel outside of these walls. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you that you've called us to be your people. And God, we thank you that you've given us everything we need to be faithful to you in our heart, soul, mind, and strength and be faithful to the world as we seek to make disciples among them. Call us out, Father. Help us to make what we have available to you like Ron. Help us to use all that we have to engage the lost like, like Josh and Mandy. God, help us to be like you. We love you. Be honored in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray.